these young people. <laughs> hey. uh, I'm Eric Tandok from Malaya Movement San Diego. My name is Elmer Kabong Labog. I'm the chairperson of the May First Labor Center known as Kilusang Mayo in the Philippines. I'm Shauna Calazo, and I'm a member of Anakbayan San Diego. You know, just for a little bit of background for our listeners, if you could, you know, maybe um, kind of explain, because you, you said that this this was carried over from Duarte's, Duarte's um, yeah. term. Um, for the folks that aren't familiar with the history in the Philippines, um, you know, folks might have heard of Marcos, Marcos. And Senior. That, yes, Marcos Senior. Um, so can you give a little background so that people can understand the context that set for today's problem? Yeah, uh, under uh, martial law, uh, President uh, Marcos Sr. ruled the uh, country with an iron fist. And uh, even in uh, after succeeding presidencies, uh, the same uh, attacks were uh, happening, uh, just like during the time of uh, Gloria Macapagal Arroyo and then uh, very recently under the rule of uh, President Duterte where a big number of uh, victims were uh, recorded, uh, especially those that are victimized by the uh, anti-drug campaign of Duterte. Uh, that is why the International Criminal Court has called on Duterte's attention because of these killings. But then even in the ranks of labor, we have filed 68 uh, cases of killings under Duterte, which already was accepted by the International Labor Organization. But these uh, attacks against workers and people were carried over to the rule of uh, Marcos Jr. now. And so we, uh, we come to an atmosphere where the, the uh, impunity is an ongoing thing. As I've mentioned, uh, the 68 former score under Duterte rose to 72 under the rule of uh, of uh, Marcos, that is why uh, uh, the uh, Philippine government was included in the uh, investigation with the Committee on Application Standards as one of the 24 countries that had been very uh, uh, violently attacking workers and uh, in violation of international conventions. So it's the, more or less the backdrop on how we came to this situation at present. So Help us understand why is labor being attacked in the Philippines? Well, uh, the uh, the ILO high-level tripartite mission has clearly uh, underscored the fact that uh, the government has a fixed mindset of uh, attacking the uh, labor movement and including it in its uh, in its uh, counterinsurgency operation. Uh, the uh, previous government of Duterte and even Marcos now are, are, are not uh, really uh, accepting these uh, complaints uh, against them, especially the uh, attacks on trade unions, the uh, 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 struggle for higher wages and, uh, and the uh, demand to end uh, the mode of uh, contractual labor, meaning the contracted out uh, labor force. So instead of really heeding and listening uh, uh, on uh, about this, these complaints, uh, it uh, manifests its uh, answer by attacking the legitimate demands 
wow. uh, of, of the worker. So these were the important conclusions that, uh, that uh, the uh, ILO high-level tripartite mission came, uh, when they came to Manila uh, arrive at, uh, especially with the uh, intrusion of the police and military in purely labor matters had been noted by the uh, mission that came over last January in the Philippines. Also, it had taken note that even if those complaints were filed many years back, uh, it had been very uh, uh, slow. Uh, the government I mean, had been very slow in, in coming up with answers, concrete uh, sin and sincere solutions on the gripes uh, uh, and, uh, and the problems that had been aired by the various uh, trade unions in the Philippines. So it's an attack on the workers who are trying to have a united voice to, to, to basically oppose the working conditions, to raise awareness about having wages that are livable. Um, so a lot of the struggles parallel in the Philippines, parallel the struggles that we have here in the United States. Um, can you, can you tell, talk, to, talk to us about the uh, KMU um, and the movement, like what you stand for, like what is the organization? Because I know the, the labor, the, um, how labor is structured over there is a little bit different. Yeah. You all have sectoral or industry bargaining. Yeah, the, the KMU was uh, incepted in uh, 1980 uh, under the uh, uh, reign of martial law. It was in, uh, in August that we formed the organization. Uh, while we were still under martial law, and that, uh, of course, we had our baptism of fire uh, during that time because we were, our unions were constantly attacked by the uh, forces of Marcos, especially when they launched uh, activities that would uh, enhance the demands that we have, like uh, wages, uh, the security of jobs, and, uh, of course, to fight for the unionization of various uh, companies, but then uh, there was this program where the mindset of government is uh, that uh, in order to develop the economy, you will have to uh, invite foreign investors, and so this caused the proliferation of uh, special economic zones, mm. or what is called the export processing zones in the Philippines. And this one, this started under Marcos, where. When you are under inside the economic zones, uh, the the uh, locators, as they call the investors, uh, have the liberty to really uh, uh, do business without being disturbed, as uh, the no union, no strike policy have been imposed in those economic zones. So any attempt to really organize the unions and to uh, launch strikes would be a very uh, serious crime under Marcos. Then so. We, we suffered a lot of arrest and detention for such a long time. And in fact, our, our first uh, ever president of, or chairperson of the KMU died for, because of uh, prolonged detention. And he was only released by Marcos at a time where he was almost dying and because he didn't want uh, our, our leader, Albert Olalia, to die in jail. Then he was released a few months before he finally uh, met his fate. Wow. And uh, yeah, these this things are ongoing. So he, the, the, the uh, development paradigm of government uh, of inviting 
uh, investors hmm. uh, still is the main uh, main uh, mindset of government to develop the economy. But then the, they would have uh, to sacrifice the important uh, rights of workers just to really impress investors into coming to the country and uh, promising them lower wages and the system of contractual labor. And uh, this, uh, this system remains because uh, uh, there, are, there were two laws that were passed uh, during the Aquino regime, which uh, would guarantee uh, the, uh, uh, the regionalization of wages, where when it's regionalized, then it's a system where the farther you are from the city centers, the lower your wages are. So there's no uniform national wage level, which is uh, uh, really a, a good condition for the uh, investors. And second, uh, that a law that guarantees uh, the uh, legality of uh, practicing contractualization. So these were the offers that the uh, they, they, they had for investors in the country and this is being enjoyed even though so even today good. still it still exists uh, and is being enjoyed by both uh, multinational companies as well as companies that are filipino owned uh, so now. so for the philippines foreign and domestic companies so we're looking at multinational companies that are coming into the philippines under the guise of bringing jobs to economically develop the country, but really what they're doing is they're trying to make the most profit off the backs of the right. workers by exploiting them, by going to another country under a regime that is anti-worker, anti-people, anti-democratic, it sounds like. Yeah, the, that's, of course, uh, Every investor's uh, interest is to increase profit, and thus, uh, in order to increase profit, you will have to increase the constant uh, capital side and to reduce the uh, 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 variable capital, which is as workers, where we do not own the the instruments of production. As this is all controlled by the uh, capital side, and so. Uh, it, it's a, a, a uh, contradictory relations where as you push for further profits, then you reduce. You have to uh, practically reduce the uh, the wages and benefits as well as other uh, important uh, uh, important benefits of, of workers. Uh, not only the Philippines, yeah, then, but this relations everywhere. exists exists Absolutely. everywhere. Everywhere. And so it's, it's, I think it's important for, you know, our listeners at home to really understand the parallels and how our struggles are linked, like globally, that the companies that are in the United States are actually going into other developing nations and taking advantage. Um, and we have members here that are suffering. We have unions here that are suffering. We talk a lot about um, the, the contracting or outsourcing of jobs overseas. We recently, um, AT&T, local CWA, Communication Workers of America, 9509, my old union, lost a call center. It was one of their biggest call centers, thousands of workers um, up across overseas. And, you know, we know they're in different countries, especially the Philippines too, right? Um, 
So what, how, how can folks in the United States uh, show solidarity, like help with um, making sure that our sisters and bro brothers and siblings in, in the Philippines aren't exploited? Because the, what you're talking about is it's beyond exploitation. This is a, the fact that labor organizers, activists from democratic institutions, KMU, one of the most democratic um, institute, labor organizations, um, you know, social movements, um, they're murdering, they're assassinating folks. This is insane. This is like when, you know, Dr. King was at the sanitation workers' strike in Memphis and he was assassinated. He was there to fight for the workers who were fighting for economic and racial justice, which we know are tied together, hand in hand. And the same thing with the exploitation of, so how can folks here show solidarity with the folks? Because we're not hearing any of this. We're not hearing any of this. Um, and you know, as a movement, we have about 11% of our population or of the working folks in the United States are, are unionized which is, it's a small fraction, but it's still a force that could potentially, you know, build, right? And we're hoping, we're growing. Um, but what can we do to show solidarity? What can we do to spread the message? What can we do to... I think the latest uh, uh, killing of uh, organizer uh, under KMU, who's been there since Marceldo, uh, Jude Tadeus uh, Fernandez, has landed in the eyes and ears of the uh, American, American workers loud and clear. And this has uh, come to a point where the AFL-CIO, which is the umbrella organization of all trade union centers in, in the U.S., came out with a strong condemnation of, the, of uh, Jude, and it has uh, pointed out to uh, the government as having had uh, a, a, a knowledge about his killing. And it was a good thing that uh, this uh, strong condemnation has reverberated, not just in the U.S., but in many parts of the globe. And thus, it had, uh, it had invited uh, a lot of, uh, of uh, labor organizations to follow suit uh, into uh, coming out with their uh, statement of uh, condemnation and calling for the Philippine government to take immediate action. And therefore, it would likewise help uh, as much if uh, the uh, uh, various unions in the trade uh, union movement in the, in the U.S. follow suit and come out with a strong uh, statement of denunciation about these latest killings and this underscores the fact that uh, the reported number of deaths were in Jude uh, Fernandez was the 72nd killed is, uh, is a, 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 an ongoing uh, attack against workers in the Philippines. This would likewise uh, expose the, the uh, other forms of attacks that uh, are being unleashed, that is being unleashed by uh, the Marcos government, as and as I said, had been carried over from from the regime of uh, President Duterte. And so, uh, as a matter of of, uh, uh, of action, it is important, really, 
to to inform our general membership membership in the unions in the US to be uh, aware of the conditions uh, that are uh, uh, taking place now in the Philippines uh, even wages compared to the US are almost more than 10 times the amount that uh, was being paid in in uh, in the case of the Philippines this uh, explains why a lot of foreign companies would still flock to the Philippines like the call centers where a lot of these are North American uh, companies where the availability of of excess uh, labor is really gargantuan and that the uh, ability for example of, of uh, Filipino workers to speak the English language is mm -hmm. so abundant uh, that uh, you get the same uh, talent that would be available in the US and yet you pay them much, much lesser than their, their counterpart in the United States. So it's not really uh, uh, true, for example, that uh, uh, the companies would go to the Philippines because uh, they, they, because they uh, would like to generate jobs. Uh, as we discussed earlier, it, was, it is because they wanted to gain more profit and not really to be benevolent and give jobs to the Filipinos with the very uh, uh, bleak condition that we have for example uh, there are wages of workers now are uh, lowest uh, perhaps in many parts of the globe where the uh, the amount of 11.77 US dollars in terms of the highest wage rate is the uh, is the actual amount being given to uh, workers in the Philippines Whilst in the U.S. you're paid by the uh, hour, yeah. that's the in the Philippines that's the amount for a day's work, oh and it's so really, really exploit uh, exploitative condition in terms of the workforce, and then with a uh, a big uh, number of uh, non-regular workforce, as well as uh, the number of uh, of workers, especially professionals and technical people. Uh, uh, exceeding the Philippines because of these bleak conditions, then you find a situation where the general cost of labor is uh, uh, so uh, so uh, uh, low that uh, it would translate to more profits for uh, local as well as foreign investors in the Philippines. So the union wage is is about eleven. Eleven point seventy-seven a day. A day. Yeah. So, and what is for non-union wages? Like, what what does that look? Well, like? Well, uh, there's massive uh, violation of those who are non uh, non-unionized. But then, uh, we we the unionized part of the labor movement would uh, always assert that the any wage adjustment should encompass even the non-unionized workforce in the Philippines, and so. Uh, this these policies are being uh, uh, being carried out uh, by the government. Especially, we were successful in uh, uh, creating a, the broadest uh, unity of workers of all uh, shades and uh, and colors of all, of all uh, regardless of political inclination uh, in in uh, uniting for wages for against contractualization and and uh, against these uh, violent attacks, unless against uh, the labor movement in the Philippines. So what do you 
think it's going to take to change the situation? It, it is, uh, 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 there is a need to change the rulers in the country because uh, uh, they wouldn't really come out with programs and policies that are beneficial to the great number of uh, Filipino people, but they cater to them to their own uh, selfish interest and uh, and uh, amass a lot of wealth, like like uh, having confidential funds in their office where, where uh, the office of the president and vice president would have confidential funds uh, without really uh, accounting uh, where this... Uh, confidential funds are being spent. Uh, In the United States, we call that a slush fund. It is a, a stolen fund. <laughs> yeah, of the Philippines. So basically, the president and the vice president get a basically a, a war chest to do anything they want. Correct. And you were saying, how much did the vice president spend? Well, I think she's, she's uh, being, account, being asked to account for like $175 million where he spent such a month in a matter of 17, 17 days. Uh, thus, the uh, Commission on, on Audit has called uh, her attention to uh, report back uh, how and why he have to spend that much amount. And that is why she has a case in Congress to explain uh, these this, uh, expenses before the budget of her offices would be uh, approved. But then she's venting her eye on the Congress uh, people who are merely uh, uh, asking her to, to account for the money, which, which uh, uh, essentially are tax money of the people. And so uh, it, it is but right and just that the represent, representatives of people in, in government would uh, ask where this money would go. Uh, they have the very right. The ask... The American people has also the, the very right to uh, ask for uh, accountability from the U.S. government Absolutely. why they're sending money to the Philippine military and police, and yet these are the very forces that attacks mm -hmm. the ranks of labor in the Philippines, which causes more deaths, more uh, repression, more uh, jailing, and uh, uh, and worse, the extra so judicial security. the United States is funding the same military and police that are repressing, like violently suppressing the labor movement in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so that's so it sounds like that's another another action that could be taken yeah. is the call for um, the, the divestment in the Philippine military. Yeah, actually um, in 2020, our organization along with other alliances launched a campaign in the U.S. to push this bill called the Philippine Human Rights Act in Congress. And uh, it was um, championed by Susan Wilde from Pennsylvania. And basically it would cut and uh, suspend U.S. military aid to the Philippine military and police until they cease their human rights violations and hold the perpetrators accountable. Um, here in San Diego, we've been able to get Juan Vargas and Sarah Jacobs to sign on to the bill. Um, but every year it has to be reintroduced because um, it hasn't been able to, to um, gain enough. You know. Yeah. So, But so that's one, one concrete way that folks can call upon their representatives to support that bill. Okay. Yeah. 
what was the bill again? Philippine Human Rights Act. Philippine Human Rights Act, and yeah. we should expect it to go through next year again. It'll likely be reintroduced again. Okay. So, yeah. so we'll definitely, when it's reintroduced, we would definitely like to hear about it so we can share with folks mm -hmm. um, what the bill is and mm -hmm. how they can support like real time. Yeah. That would be that would be great. Um, so, who are so tell me what tell me about um, Anak Bayan. What is yeah. Anak Bayan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're absolutely right, Satomi, that um, the struggles we face here are, um, or, you know, the fight of the working class is really an international fight, right? Um, and so um, I'm part of Anakbay in San Diego, um, which is an organization of Filipino youth, um, and uh, we're an international organization. So as Anakbay in USA, we're an overseas chapter of Anakbay in Philippines. Um, and so uh, we really see ourselves as an extension of the national democratic movement back home in the Philippines. Um, you know, the condition that um, Kabong was talking about of workers back home in the Philippines, um, we are not separate from those conditions um, because in the first place, if um, the economy was developed for the people in the Philippines, um, then there would be jobs back home. You know, we would not have to be forced to migrate um, just for livelihood. Um, and actually under uh, Marco Sr., who is um, the father of you know, the current president, Bongbong Marcos Jr., um, under him, the labor export policy was really systematized um, so that you know, to answer, um, or you know, his, his so-called answer to the labor crisis in the Philippines, the huge surplus um, labor force, um, was to export our own people, um, where you know now we're in a situation where every single day um, more than six thousand Filipinos leave um, our country every day, every day, every day. Um, daily, um, just to six thousand. Yeah, just just for livelihood, you know, just to sustain their families, um, and a lot of them are are separated, you know, um, they leave their their kids, they leave their parents, whoever it is that they're taking care of, um, just to go overseas um, and send money back home. And so um, that's why so many of us are here. That's, that's why, um, and here in San Diego. Um, and so, and we, we come here and yeah, you're right, you know, like our, the struggles we face are, are, are similar. Um, we come here and we're still exploited. It's still the same system of exploitation that we're faced with back home, although, you know, as Kaobong was sharing, the minimum wage is higher, so you know you could make more money here, which is why so many people come here. Yeah. Um, but the system still continues, you know, broken, with right? that, yeah, you know, broken families. And so, um, for us, um, as Filipino youth, um, although like Anaguay uh, in San Diego, a lot of us are are Filipino Americans. You know, we were born here, but we do not see ourselves as separate from. The conditions back home um, and um, you know especially because growing up in San Diego um, growing up in the US you can really see how um, yeah we're really not separate because of that collusion with with the US government with with our government here um, and um, yeah um, even uh, um, it sounds like, like, you know, my familiarity with the organization back when I was a 
youth organizer <laughs> a long time ago um, um, is is the is basically the call for accountability of these global companies, these mm -hmm. multinational global, you know, um, globalization essentially, and 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 that's what we really we still need is these checks and balances. I don't know. I feel like there we need to work on policies that are not just going to protect domestic, but also protect workers globally, because we know that they'll just close their shop here and then go somewhere else, right? And if we if things happen, you know, when the labor movement um, finally reaches liberate, liberating the country from this, you know, the, uh, the fascist re regime, then, you know, they're just going to go to the next country, right? Like it, my mom, she's from Japan and um, my family, they're from the country. They're like farmers and like they cut lumber, like they cut trees, like that's how they produce, you know, their whatnot. Um, that's how they lived. Um, but the work of my family, of my family, like cutting down the trees was taken away because the country of Japan actually went to like Thailand to get the labor, right? So we see it happening all yeah. over and it's just in, insane. Um, so, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, your organizations, Anaklai on San Diego, Malaya San Diego, have, you know, are, are, are coming here, are, you know, bringing us this view into what is happening to our, you know, our siblings, you know, across the, the ocean, across the world, um, I think is a gift and a blessing because you're helping to bring to light and exposing these companies, like these companies that we already know are terrible, that the labor movement in San Diego, you know, they're trying to crack down or in, 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 in the United States, they're, the, the, the conservatives are trying to destroy us because we are the only, sorry, we are the largest organized force fighting against corporate greed, right? Organized labor. So that's why they want to trample us here in San, uh, in California or in the United States, which I imagine it's the same reason, you know, in the Philippines. It's the same reason all over, right? Because we're getting in the way of their profits. Um, but if we band together, like we know now, right? Like how can we support? Well, we'll send the letters, right? We'll try to get as many people as possible to sign on to to, to call for a divestment in the in the military. Um, but this is. This is just insane. But thank you for your organizations for bringing the issues here and making the connection because it's really important for folks to understand global issues, not just domestic, that we are all impacted, that if we rise up together, that we can we can actually um, make change. And it's interesting because um, the inter you know, IWW, International Workers of the World, the Wobblies, um, they, you know, they were, I guess, the biggest well, in, in the United States, I feel like they were the folks that were organizing everybody like they, you know, believed in this philosophy of one union. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we can get back to a place where we can act as one union and, and you know, and speak with one voice. Right. And march with, you know, United Beat. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I don't know if there's anything else you would like to share about what's going on. Um, in the Philippines, what's happening here in the United States, and how making that connection. Yeah, um, I'd like to just expand a bit about what um, Bong mentioned about contractualization. It's actually um, a neoliberal policy um, where basically neoliberal um, policies are 
turning things that are supposed to be public uh, into private owned so that profit can be made. Um, liberalization, meaning opening up of um, protections of basically tearing down the protect protections that countries have. So deregulating, essentially. That's also another part of it, yeah. So deregulating, um, no protections for um, the environment and for workers. Um, but then also liberalization, meaning like foreign companies coming in without having to pay um, like tariffs or you know pay uh, taxes, like what's happening in the special ec uh, economic zones. Yeah. Um, this is a, a worldwide system that is being implemented. And, um, a you know, worldwide system? Neoliberalism, yes. Oh, it's a yeah. tool of, um, it's a tool of uh, companies all, all over. Exactly what you said, what's happening in the Philippines is happening in Here. the United States, yeah. Exactly, yeah, like with, exactly. Con with contractualization, you know, we're all very familiar with subcontracting. Yeah. Um, you know, con companies not um, basically evading accountability for their workers by using a third party company yeah. to um, be the technical employer. Mm -hmm. And so they say, oh, they can't raise complaints to the actual company that they're working for physically every day. Um, because they work for this third-party company. That sounds a lot like AB, like the um, Prop 22, which basically got Lyft and Uber and DoorDash out of following the laws of AB 5, which was passed by um, worker champion Fernanda Gonzalez when she was in the assembly, essentially making contracted, like any mm -hmm. worker, like the Uber, Lyft, like the gig workers, they were mm -hmm. actually classified incorrectly. They're actually employers, but the and. AB5 would have held them accountable, but they spent $200 million against us too, to basically- It's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and they all band together, spent $200 million against our, like we were outspent like 200 to one, it was like crazy. Um, all so that they wouldn't have to, or change their business business model, which is based on the explo exploitation of workers. Yeah, yeah. and th there's an, an added version of it in the Philippines, which is you, Workers are hired in many uh, industries for only five-month contracts. And then at the end of the five months, they just renew the contract for another five months. Mm -hmm. And so that, that way they never have stable labor um, throughout their whole period of working. And um, it's very rare that they become a regular worker. And that's how the company evades you know, giving benefits. Similar to how here um, they keep workers just uh, under full time, yeah. so that they can pay yeah. them um, part time without having to pay benefits. Yeah. It's uh, an extreme yeah, version of that. Yeah. Five months at a time. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know you'll find that in every jo every job in the mall that you'll find. Yeah, and like all the retail, um, like fast food, you'll find that's pretty much all. All those people are like that, um, and. That's, that's been a big push of the labor movement in the Philippines is to end that system of contractualization. Um, and that's how all these different trade union centers banded together because it's a common issue that's affecting all workers in the Philippines. Like how many, how many workers approximately do you think are impacted by contractualization? Yeah, in the Philippines it's a big number. 42% of the real labor force are contractual employees. 40? But, yeah, and that's, uh, we were discussing with the hotel industry restaurant uh, employees here, uh, even regular uh, jobs in the hotel and industry in the Philippines are 
it's already uh, being uh, uh, overtaken by non non regular workforce. Oh, so this yes. has reduced uh, a big number of the regular workforce into contractual mode of work. So if you're contractual, you're not paid as much as your regular counterpart, and uh, your pension or uh, is not guaranteed. Uh, at the time of re retirement, you have nothing. Uh, and uh, since they are the group of workers that are easily hired, they are as well the same group of workers that would easily be fired. So that's that's the description of contractual, being contractual wow. in the Philippines. No security of tenure at all. So, oh, sorry. Um, how what what would you say is would you say the 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 in general like the general population are supposed like I can say in the United States because I just did a Gallup poll that we have about like a seven percent like support rate like like seventy percent of you know folks living in the United States support unions and that hasn't always been the case like we know that has not been the case but I've been in la in the labor movement for two decades now and um, it was. It would be really challenging to say you would work in the labor movement and not get dirty looks. Um, but now it's shifted a lot because you know we have we have these these young folks, but we also have like the sh the the sh the, um, the shift that the folks that have been in the movement for a while have made by the work that they've done, um, and it's 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 all coming to a head. So how how is the support in general by the general population for for the labor movement over there? Well, I think in a global scale, the crisis uh, affects uh, a lot of people, not just the industrial or the productive sector, but it affects even the uh, middle class of society. And this condition uh, shows that the activity and struggle of the working class uh, would uh, have a dent and would really contribute to... to uh, uh, to improve improve the situation, and thus the public opinion that has been created because of this crisis uh, would become more and more favorable uh, to the uh, working people, especially in a in a sense where the uh, labor landscape is uh, I think it's gaining a different uh, form where uh, the mass movement and the more active participation of the uh, ordinary members of the union are are, are are gaining ground compared to what was uh, in many years back where the only participants of labor activities are confined to a few lawyers and a few uh, bureaucrat trade unionists. Uh, it, I think, slowly changes this picture. Uh, I believe that while we are not yet in a label uh, level as that uh, uh, prevailing here in the U.S., eventually we will have to, uh, we will be coming up to the situation, especially with the unity manifested by uh, the labor movement in the Philippines, wherein we were able to come up with a big uh, mobilization uh, the past May first uh, this year, oh. and if you have. Uh, such a, a you know a, a big uh, number in the streets, then I, I think it will it will create a good uh, public uh, impression 
that uh, our, our demand is not just to improve wages, not just to improve the benefits and working conditions, but we uh, see to it that there would be really a challenge to the uh, moribund uh, system that's ever increasing in the Philippines. You see, in the U.S., you have the, in the economy, you have what is called the boom and bust situation, but in the Philippines, where it's really a, a backward, uh, uh, underdeveloped country, uh, it's always a spiraling, everyday spiraling crisis, and this pushes a lot of people to, to really uh, uh, come out in the open to express their grievances, and this would include uh, the middle class, and even even uh, even businesses have been affected by the crisis. I would, would be would, uh, be very uh, interested in the developing uh, situation, especially at a at a, at a point where uh, uh, expression of uh, grievances uh, are are you know uh, violently attacked, mm -hmm. and if no quarter of society would really open their uh, voices, uh, give out uh, their their demands, then the whole society would be uh, be silenced, and that no no dissent uh, would be uh, really felt and heard in the country. I absolutely agree. We all have to to speak out and and and, and say something and do something and act because if we stand by and let our siblings suffer, we're going to be next. Um, tell us about Jollibee. Yeah, no, yeah, I was about to bring that up. Yeah, you, you, here in the U.S., you know, um, you really see, I mean, different examples of really inspiring working, uh, worker struggles um, where Jollibee, uh, you know, is a Philippine corporation that really championed contractualization um, in the Philippines. Um, they not only own Jollibee, but they also own um, Chow King and... Um, Sorry, for folks that are not familiar with Jollibee, it is a restaurant chain that has just like chicken, spaghetti. It's basically like the McDonald's of the Philippines, that that popular. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why would Mark that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably more popular than McDonald's. Actually. That's pretty popular. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but they're a really large corporation that, you know, they own Jollibee, they own Red Ribbon, and... Um, Red Ribbon? And... Yeah, and um, Chow King too. So they have these different. I hope that they even expanded. They they they're so big now that they even bought out Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, and Smash Burger. No. Yeah. So that's no owned way. by a Philippine company. So you know, not only do um, you know multinational corporations um, operate um, in the Philippines, but it's also you know these Philippine corporations are also expanding overseas, um, and so uh, yeah. Like, like I said, they are really a champion of contractualization back home, um, so exploiting um, our people back home. But even here, um, you know, here in San Diego, there's three locations, and Mira Mesa, Mira Mesa National City, Chula Vista, and the majority of people who work there are Filipino migrants. Um, and uh, in New Jersey, there's an ongoing struggle. Um, there's actually a case um, with the NLRB um, that was filed um, because the workers there, you know, they really came together and um, uh, wrote a letter to present to management about, you know, the different labor law violations that have been going on. You know, there's not contractualization here, but um, there's like, you know, the misclassification of workers or just even the, um, 
um, keeping workers part-time, you know, so that they don't uh, get to have benefits um, and also like not getting paid um, overtime, right? Um, uh, different uh, issues like that, that, yeah, wage theft. Um, Exactly, yeah. So um, workers in New Jersey came together um, and uh, wrote a letter to present to management. Um, but before they could even do that, um, they were actually, um, several of them were actually terminated, um, which, you know, it's actually been found that it was an illegal ter termination. But it's still an ongoing case where, you know, the, the demand actually today um, is uh, the National Day of Action for um, Justice for the Jollibee Workers. Um, where, you know, their demands are to be reinstated, um, to get back pay, and to get an apology from, from Jollibee. Um, and, you know, it's really an, an, an inspiring example because these workers could have easily just kind of moved on with their lives, you know, um, um, gone to uh, apply to jobs that are higher paying or, you know, whatever it is, but they really understand that they have to take collective action together and that they want to go back and work there, you know, so that they can keep pushing for better working conditions, not only for their store, but even nationwide and, and back home in the Philippines, too, and, and internationally, because Jollibee is an international corporation. So, um, yeah, it's really, you know, an, an inspiring example of the workers coming together and understanding that um, they can't just leave because they're still going to be exploited no matter where they go or, you know, the, the conditions at that store and internationally are still going to go on if, if, you know, they don't take a stand together. So, um, yeah, today is the National Day of Action, actually, it's for people to, you know, show their support, um, however it is, like online or even. So how would you suggest people show their support today? Mm -hmm. how can, so should they go on, like, social media? Like, is there a, a petition they can sign? Yeah. Yeah, they have a website. It's called Justice for Jolly Bee Workers. Justice for Jolly Bee Workers. Yeah, yeah. We'll have that up somewhere. Justice for Jolly yeah. Bee Workers. And, and then they also have um, Instagram, too, that you can do social media actions and support. We'll definitely share that. There is yeah. an existing law in your uh, uh, labor uh, system, which is called the Joy Silk Doctrine. Wherein it provides that uh, whoever, wherever workers are sacked because of complaining and uh, attempt to build unions, mm -hmm. the NL NLRB can have the power mm -hmm. to ask for management to reinstate them immediately with back wages mm -hmm. and to skip the petition uh, of election and actual conduct well, that, of that election. That is a brand spanking new law. It is. It is important that yeah. uh, I think uh, trade unionists in the U.S., especially those uh, who are wanting to form the unions, to study this provision and to make good of its uh, its uh, you know, availability. Yeah. As I think I believe there are several uh, unions where this provision of the Joy Silk Doctrine has been yeah. imposed, like the Semex case. Where yeah, Semex. Yeah, a, a, an organizer has been sacked and ordered reinstated and to skip uh, the uh, election, yeah. but then to have a direct recognition of the union. I think these are valuable lessons oh. from, that are uh, to be you know, uh, taken into account by 
uh, unions all over the U.S. Oh, 100%. That's going to be a huge organizing tool. That was a big victory for us. A big victory for us. For finally, especially because we have broken labor laws in the United States. Usually if someone is fired or, you know, for concerted activity, activity that's supposed to be pr pr um, protected, uh, the responses or the punishment for the company is you put a posting on the wall, maybe you reinstate the worker, give them bad wages. But by the time they drag it out, the case is dragged yeah. on so long, they have another job or something, you know. Um, but, it, you know, delay tactics, and all mm -hmm. employers use it. But, yes, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, the new law is the ruling, um, the Semex ruling by the Supreme Court, the, the fact that now that employers try to mess with workers during election goes straight to recognition of their union. Um, it, um, it is very powerful. Um, and hopefully we can have more laws like that, that we can, you know, be a model for other places um, and, and to, to spread the, the word of building strong labor laws. I mean, we don't have many here. We're working on it too here. I think it, it, it would be the collective actions of uh, the workers themselves that would make uh, laws yes. that are favorable to the yes. working class. Without yes. workers' action, then you cannot uh, enact laws that are really favorable to the working people as it is the collective strength that really yes. pushes the, the uh, policy makers to come up with yes. progressive laws favorable to uh, the workers and ordinary people in society. And it's a universal truth, not just in the U.S., but all over the world. We seem to, this is a fact of life. Uh, without action, then there's no reaction uh, from the uh, other parties. That's 100% true. I 100% agree. We have to act. And choosing not to act, choosing or silent. being silent is making a choice not to act. So we always have a choice. We may not necessarily like the choices that we're given, but we always have a choice. Um, and so hopefully um, our listeners will choose to, to support and do all the things that they can to make sure that our siblings in the Philippines um, know that they have the support of labor here in the United States. Um, anything else before we part? Um, yeah, an another way to, to take action too is, um, you know, to really confront these multinational corporations and global leaders, global policymakers that are enacting all these uh, neoliberal attacks on workers worldwide. Um, is um, in November is going to be the next APEC summit. Um, APEC stands for um, Asia Pacific Economic Corporation. Cooperation. Um, so all these different um, uh, leaders of uh, 21 member economies, they're called, are going to meet in San Francisco in November um, to basically make different uh, trade agreements, uh, business deals, um, uh, to, you know, increase the exploitation of workers here, workers in the Asia Pacific, and to really open up um, the Asia Pacific, including the Philippines, to um, more exploitation or resource extraction, you know, environmental degradation. Um, and um, um, so 
Yeah, so it, Marcos Jr. himself is actually coming here to the U.S., um, and Biden will, will be there too, um, as well as um, different corporations that are here in San Diego, you know. Um, Qualcomm, which has its headquarters here, at, um, Qualcomm is the second largest employer in San Diego. They're one of the platinum sponsors of APEC, as well as Kaiser, you know. Um, they donated a million dollars to hosting APEC when there's these ongoing strikes, like labor struggle um, for higher wages with, with the Kaiser workers. Um, and so they're really there to push forward their, their own interests, you know, um, the interests of corporations um, rather than the interests of workers. Um, so that's going to be um, in November. Um, but, you know, nationally we are organizing and we're going to, going to take action together um, where November 11th um, is going to be the People's Counter Summit um, and November 12th is going to be um, the, you know, the huge rally against the APEC Summit. Um, but there will be smaller actions too um, just throughout um, the, the convening of the APEC Summit um, so that we can really confront um, these different so-called leaders. Um, um, and so we're going to be sending a contingent from San Diego um, and, you know, people from all over the U.S. are welcome, but here in San Diego, you know, if you're um, interested in coming with us, you know, we could figure it out together. We're, 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 we'll figure out carpools, like <laughs> housing and all that. We're here to, to yeah, work together and really um, be there together, you know, because, yeah, as, as we're talking about our, our collective action, our collective unity is our strength. You know, these world leaders are coming together. Well, we're going to come together, too. Um, and, you know, we know that, uh, uh, you know, the repression that our people face back home is also not, um, um, it's not a unique thing, right? Um, it's backed by the U.S. government. And then um, they actually, uh, um, the, what is that, the, the DHS, the Department of Homeland Security, yeah. um, just, you know, <laughs> declared it a, a special national security event where they're expecting um, civil disobedience and um, terrorist attack, terrorist, terrorist acts where, you know, they're really conflating um, civil, like rallying with terrorism. So, um, you know, the, the, the red tagging in the Philippines is not um, something that, like, it's something that is absolutely backed by and learned from um, the U.S. government. And, oh, 100%, but, after 9-11. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, you know, like this, these um, allegations, um, uh, it, it, we know like what we're doing is, is just, and it's really just more of a reason to, to keep going and, and keep fighting um, because, yeah, we know um, that we're not doing anything wrong. You know, they're, they're really um, pushing forward what's called um, IPEF or Indo-Pacific Economic Framework um, uh, to really, and the reason why it's called a framework is because um, they, uh, since it's not an agreement, they're able to, to make these different deals without going through Congress. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're the ones that are undemocratic and we are there to show them really what are, you know, the people's interests um, what are our demands um, as workers um, 
And so, yeah, that's that's something that everyone can can join and hope to see you in San Francisco. 100%. Um, thank you so much for for being here today. Thank you so much for for joining us, for sharing, you know, about what's happening back in your homeland. Um, it sucks. I'm sorry. Thank you for <laughs> hosting us and um, receiving us in your uh, solidarity. Your offices. Oh, see that. Only my... <laughs> international solidarity. Solidarity. See, this is my. Home.